We continue our greatest hits 4th of July week with headlines. I'm not going to lie, guys. This is a personal project of mine. I am the sole host for headlines, and I put it out every day. You can listen to headlines both on YouTube, TikTok, Reels, but you could subscribe to it with your regular podcast app. And what's great is most episodes are about a minute long. I think our longest episode is five minutes long with headlines. So the way I like to think of headlines is it's that show that'll pop up in between listening to two other podcasts. It'll fill you in on the latest from Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, everything. And then you'll just go on to listening to whatever else you like to listen to. It's a really good just kind of fill you in real quick. So I'm going to string together probably four to five episodes here of headlines. Some that I think are a little more evergreen than maybe your normal like breaking news stuff. And uh, so you guys get a feel for what headlines looks like. I hope you guys really enjoy it. Again, the links will be in the description for this show. Please be sure to subscribe every way you can. And enough of that. Let's go ahead and get into some headlines. Great news. We just got our Superman and Lois Lane. James Gunn just confirmed a Hollywood Reporter article saying that our new Superman is David Cornsweet and our new Lois Lane is Rachel Brosnan. Now, let me explain both these actors to you. David is an excellent actor and is Superman personified. Really, both these castings are kind of my dream casting. If you're not familiar with this actor, I want you to check out a show called Hollywood on Netflix. It's a miniseries, only seven episodes long, came out in 2020, and it takes place in an idyllic alternate version of Hollywood from like the 1940s. His character in that show is Clark Kent. He's this like all-American good old boy who not only has like a silly joyfulness in him, but he is just straight up a stand-up good guy. And that's how you would describe Superman to somebody. I'm telling you this might be the most Christopher Reeves Superman we've gotten since the old man donned the cape. Next we have Rachel. Everybody knows Rachel from Amazon's Marvelous Miss Maisel. And if you've watched that show, you know that she's got that quick wit and almost dominating presence you'd expect from your Lois Lane. That's the show I'm recommending for you guys right now. Marvelous Miss Maisel. If for some reason you haven't seen that one, that is a must-watch. Both those shows are both period pieces and I think are the reason they've got these roles. I'm telling you guys, this is the casting we were wanting. I'm telling you, David is the kind of guy when you're watching like Hollywood or some of the other stuff he's been on, you're just like, he's Superman, he's Clark Kent, he just doesn't have the role yet. Well, James Gunn just made that happen. Let me know what you think about this casting. The first episode of Secret Invasions is out now and it's caused a lot of backlash. Before we get into the drama, I do want to say Secret Invasions first episode was pretty solid. It's definitely a first episode creating a lot of questions, a lot more questions than maybe even a story, but I got the paranoia feeling that I got when I read the comics back in the day. So that I'm happy with. Now, what I am not happy about and most people are not happy about is this AI intro they used. The title sequence shows shape-shifting creatures. It really looks bad. It looks like Dolly too. It just looks terrible. Plus, we're missing out on a lot of paid jobs who used to end animate or create the intros. Now, director and producer Ali Salim spoke with Polygon about this. Some of the positives he mentions is the fact that it felt very much in theme for the show. Like AI was replacing people much like Scroll was replacing people. While that's accurate, it's extremely frustrating to hear because yeah, we can stop that from happening just like you're trying to do in the show. Just pay the people. He goes on to explain the back and forth between him and the company and setting up what the theme should be like and try to really nail this out. The team that worked on this uh, included uh, producers, designers, and an AI technician. We don't know if the numbers are one for one or if that AI technician is replacing multiple artists. I don't really know about that, but I do know that this thing looks terrible and I know that there are artists that would have loved to have this opportunity. Lastly, the Polygon article put in a quote from Ali saying it felt explorative and inevitable and exciting and different, which I think perfectly sums up how AI is feeling right now. It's cool, it's odd, it's dangerous. I think one of the things we really have to keep in mind is that big companies need to not put AI before people. And here, Disney, Marvel, they did exactly that. 
spoiler warning for the first episode of Secret Invasion. If you haven't seen it yet, keep going. Okay, so now that you're here, a lot of people online have been wondering, is Maria Hill really dead at the end of Secret Invasion? With the scrolls around, we really can't know, right? Well, Colby Smulders, the actress who plays Maria Hill, just did an interview with Vanity Fair, and she confirms the death. Here's a quote from it. Maria Hill's passing is very real, and it's shocking, and it feels very human. It was a sad day. I don't think I've ever died on camera. I got a real death scene. She goes on to explain that the last words for Maria Hill were very impactful for the show and the theme. She also explains that this was very challenging for her, saying goodbye to everybody. She's excited for what's next in her career, but she's been doing this for a long time, basically since How I Met Your Mother. But I think the strength of this series, just like it was for the comic book, is not knowing who a scroll is and who is not a scroll. The fact that we had this entire debate over whether or not Maria Hill is even dead, that's really good. We talked about it over on Geek Freaks, which the episode's coming out tomorrow, who we think is a scroll, and personally, I'm thinking it's the president for sure. Rhodey, of course. I think Rhodey's the easy pick for everybody at this point. But I think the president is also a scroll, and this entire ruse of uh, a terrorist attack is really just so that the president has a reason to go to war. We also have to remember that in Thunderbolts, Ross is going to be the president. So something happens before then to make him president. I think it's that the scrolls infiltrated the White House. Is there anybody particularly you guys think is going to end up being a scroll? I think this first episode was a lot of fun and really set up the vibe of Secret Invasion. There were definitely things to fix. We all know about that intro. I think Marvel needed this, a spy thriller, much like Winter Soldier or something like that. So here we go. Let's see what happens. The producers for The Witcher did an interview with Yahoo News explaining how they're going to be changing over to Liam for Geralt. Geralt? Geralt? I'm not sure. Basically, they're going to be pulling from the source material. I guess in Book 5, Ciri has the ability to move from planet to planet. They're going to use something like that to have her go to a planet that has a different version of Geralt and will explain why he all of a sudden he looks like Liam. They're calling this a meta transition, so maybe they'll reference the fact that they're in a TV show. Generally, that's what I think of when I hear meta. This could also be seen as maybe a multiverse fix. Either way, they said that the key was to make sure that Henry Cavill was honored in the way he went out and that the transition over to Liam is somewhat seamless. I am happy that it's not going to be just like, hey, new season, new Geralt, but actually in story, a reason why that's happening. A lot of shows would have just recast the character and we don't think about it anymore, but at least they're trying to address it for the fans. We'll see soon. The new season's coming out really, really soon. It was announced today by the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce that Chadwick Boseman will be getting a star on the Hollywood fame in 2024. He's most well known for his role, of course, as T'Challa in the Black Panther, but he's also Jackie Robinson in 42, and Thurgood Marshall in the movie Marshall. Other people that are getting accepted to the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 2024 are Kevin Feige from Marvel, Michelle Yeoh from Everything Everywhere All at Once, Gal Gadot, that's Wonder Woman, Maggie Gyllenhaal, Chris Melandrondri, Chris Pine, and Christina Ricci. On the TV side of things, we got Eugene Levy, Kerry Washington, Ken Jeong, Mario Lopez, Jim Nance, Cheryl Lee Roth, and a few more. It's I'm surprised. There's actually a lot of people going to be joining this, but it's cool to see that them give Chadwick Boseman a post-humorous one. If you're ever in the L.A. area, you really should go check this out. It's pretty cool to look at all the stars and kind of reminisce on your favorite actors and what they've done in the past. Hey y'all, Xbox has been in court with the FTC trying to plead their case for the Activision acquisition. We're learning a lot about Xbox, their business, and their plans moving forward from this case. I'm going to share what we've learned so far. My sources on this is IGN, The Verge, Kotaku, and Polygon. The big showstopper is that Xbox's boss, Phil Spencer, admits they've lost the console war. They have been since 2001, according to him. He says they've consistently been in third place behind Nintendo and PlayStation. It was revealed that Starfield was originally going to be a PlayStation exclusive. Now, some sources are saying that it was going to be 
be multi-platform. But like The Verge is saying, no, it was going to be only for PlayStation. Microsoft saw that PlayStation was paying companies to just not release something on Xbox. And so they took action and bought Bethesda to get, and well, Xenomax to get Starfield. That tells us two things. First off, they believe Starfield is going to be Xbox's big anchor going forward, probably on par with something like Halo. And we have to wonder, what would Xbox look like today if they didn't have Starfield coming out soon? Would they be rushing a Gears of War or a Halo? They also said that the game is simply just too big to release on PlayStation. It would delay the game another at least nine weeks to try to make a PlayStation port. But they clarified that Bethesda and pretty much everything Xenomax will continue to make multi-platform games, but they did not confirm whether or not Elder Scrolls 6 will be multi-platform. Jim Ryan over at PlayStation hinted in an email that was submitted they would not be sharing the PlayStation 6 information to Activision if they were acquired. That means they would not give Activision the tools they need to make a Call of Duty port for it. Now this is from PlayStation 6, which also came out that both companies expect that'll be 2028 before we get the next generation already considered next beyond this generation. Some of the games that are currently exclusive for Xbox or in production for Xbox, like the Indiana Jones games, were originally multi-platform games, but Xbox and Microsoft felt important to acquire the companies like Xenomax is in charge of this one through Machine Games. And so when they acquired them, they told them, no, you're going to lock down just Xbox and PC. One of the questions asked is, why is Minecraft not on PS5? Phil Spencer told the courts, this is because PlayStation never offered them a dev kit to make the game for them. It kind of leans back on that Call of Duty comment from earlier. Back to Elder Scrolls 6, they're saying that it's at least five years away. At least five years away. And I keep hoping we're going to get an announcement like this month or something like that. So we have at least five years. And that's unfortunate news for many people. And then lastly, we have a quote uh, from Phil Spencer to the judge. This is Judge Jacqueline Scott Corley. Uh, he says, quote, I would raise my hand. I will do whatever it takes. We have no plan. I'm making a commitment standing here that we will not pull Call of Duty. It is my testimony from PlayStation. We're learning a lot from Microsoft from this case. It seems like they're trying to pitch this idea that they're weaker than you think and just try to stay alive. Meanwhile, PlayStation is basically explaining if you give them these things, they'll become a powerhouse, a monopoly of certain games, of certain properties. Like cloud gaming, for example. PlayStation says you should worry about cloud gaming, but Xbox is saying it's the least important feature in Game Pass. I have mixed feelings about this. I currently have a PS5, but I'm a big Xbox loyalist. And really, they're two multi-billion dollar companies that I say, let them fight, we'll win out in the end when innovation happens. But I just find it interesting to see these different tactics from companies that we've been following for multiple decades now. And there's a little part of me, it's probably the teenager version of me, it's excited to see the console wars so hot again. And not from the fans that are arguing for the sake of just selling more consoles, but from the companies. And if this creates, you know, a better version of Call of Duty out of PlayStation or Xbox trying to make more exclusives to be able to compete with like God of War. Yes, yes, please do that. Let me know what you guys think about this case and whether or not you think it's a good idea for Xbox to be able to acquire Activision Blizzard. Have a good weekend. We have a lot to catch up on, so let's go rapid fire. First off, Beetlejuice 2 has a release date. It's September 6, 2024. In a recent interview, James Gunn said if you want to really experience Guardians of the Galaxy 3, you gotta watch it on screen next. He actually filmed it to be three screens wide, so it wraps around you. I've never been to one of these, but I'm definitely checking it out. The final season for Jack Ryan now has a release date of June 30th. It's coming to Prime, and it'll be coming out every Friday after that. During an investor's call, the head of Nintendo confirmed that we are not getting a Switch until at least April 2024. I know a lot of you have been holding out for that thing. Looks like you gotta wait 
wait a little longer. And lastly, Hollow Knight Silksong is being delayed until later this year. It was supposed to be out in the first half. They couldn't make it in time, but it's better to avoid the crunch. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 is the new box office king, bringing in $114 million in the first weekend. It did very well. That's above what they were expecting. A lot of the people around this project, though, have said it's not about opening weekend. It's about the second weekend. As we've seen with Ant-Man and other projects, they've been just dropping off hard after that first weekend. And the entire like theater industry is worried about how the second weekend performs. This is the test. On the other side of that, Mario has done quite well. So I think we're past that phase and we're into the full summer blockbuster season. And we don't have to worry about movies being one and done. Hogwarts Legacy is now on the PS4 and the Xbox One. Surprisingly, they look pretty good. Like frame rates are holding up. I put a video on our website where somebody compared like all versions of the PlayStation. And they're running like a champ. The game's doing well. It already sold 15 million copies. But this will probably boost its sales. Viz Media just launched a new manga service. For $1.99 a month, users will access 10,000 different digital mangas on their new app. When you combine that with a Shonen Jump subscription, that makes it 25,000 manga. Now this is directly competing with Crunchyroll's service, which is tangled up with their streaming service as well. Like the cheapest version of that I think is $7.99. We've just learned that Disney is going to be buying the rest of Hulu. Currently they own two thirds of it, they're about to own everything. And once they do that, they're going to combine Hulu and Disney Plus into the same app. We don't have all the details, but all the speculation is that it'll all fit under Disney Plus because Disney Plus has been adding some R-rated content, and that should mean that you're going to be paying the same price for Disney Plus the whole time. If you're a Hulu fan like myself, that means you're going to be adding The Mandalorian, all the Star Wars stuff, and all the Marvel stuff to your library. And if you're a Disney Plus fan, that means you're adding things like Always Sunny in Philadelphia, Only Murders in the Building, really good show. So many cool things Hulu's got. I'm a big Hulu fan, and I definitely watch a lot of Disney Plus, so for me, this is just perfect. This deal is in the works, but they have until January 2024 to make sure it's locked in. So here's the latest on the writer's strike. The writers have been sending out small teams to form picket lines in front of productions. Two examples is Marvel's Wonder Man and Apple's Loot. The idea is really smart. So they're going to create a picket line, even with just two people, it counts as a picket line. And because there's a picket line, the two other big unions involved in Hollywood production, IATSE, and the Teamsters, which does a lot of the set stuff, will not cross that picket line. Not only does that like physically stop production, but there are ways where it'll increase fines. The video I'm showing here is a team stopping the Marvel's production, and because they're blocking the trucks, those trucks are going to be fined for sitting there for longer. That all goes back to the studio. This is building pressure, getting those studios to come to the table. And the studios are getting a little more aggressive as well. They're trying to tell the showrunners that you have to force production. But so far, everybody's staying solid with the writers. By the way, the video is from the Associated Press. And according to Deadline, the writers are encouraging people to go to productions throughout the United States and picket local productions. Again, just two people to create a picket line. That's basically the biggest update from the writer's strike. I'll let you know when we get some more updates. Hey all and a happy Mother's Day weekend. Uh, we're going to be talking about the shows that have been canceled so far for network television. Over on ABC they've canceled Alaska Daily, Big Sky, which is a really good one, The Company You Keep, and The Goldbergs. CBS were losing East New York and True Lies. True Lies they invested heavily on. The CW is going through a bit of a cleanup and right now they're losing Kung Fu, Tom Swift, Walker Independence, and The Winchesters. We also need to remember that they're ending the Arrowverse over there, so all those are coming to a close. Fox is losing Call Me Cat, which is a really big show for them, Fantasy Island, Monarch, and The Resident. Any of these shows can be saved by, say, Netflix or Hulu or something like that. We've seen that happen in the past, and one of the other stations could buy that show from them. Cancellations always really suck, because that means that all these actors, everybody, all the writers, everybody's out of work now, and they need to find new places. And of course, that means a bunch of storylines are being unfinished. So we're hoping that a lot of these people find new work immediately, and a lot of these shows get picked up by other places. It can happen, it's just not very common. We'll let you know if any of them get saved.